Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. You know, specifically silicone breast implants, even though they've been touted as this new, improved, you know, cohesive gel that is not the same as they used to be back in the 70s or 80s. It's just not true. They're they're basically identical. The manufacturing process is identical. The chemicals in them are identical. Um, and they're full of cytotoxic, neurotoxic, and carcinogenic chemicals and heavy metals that are highly inflammatory to our cells and our tissues and our organs. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We're going to be talking to Sarah Philippe, and this is a topic that I knew next to nothing about, and it is super interesting. We're actually going to be talking about breast implant illness. Now, being in the functional space for years, I have heard about this, but I didn't really know what it entailed. It's never come to me when I'm working with people. I haven't actually seen it yet, as far as I know, in the FDN Thrive program. So it's never really been something that I had to deal with or look at. However, this is a real big thing. And Sarah's entire practice is dedicated to these poor women who get these implants and have some serious complications because of it, either knowingly or unknowingly. And what I love about Sarah, and not that I I don't love all my other FDNs out there. I mean, this doesn't even apply to me, but she has that traditional Western medicine background being an RN and also combines the functional side of things. So I love people that have that ability to get the best of both worlds. Not that I don't like each on every um, each one on either side. Totally cool with me. But when we can have someone that bridges the gap, I think that's really special, especially for a topic like this. So Sarah has a passion for restoring health that has taken her along a path from RN to becoming a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, true cellular detox practitioner, and breast implant illness expert. She believes the solution to reversing breast implant illness is about more than just the explant, which I actually didn't know that word. If it's not obvious, it's the removal of the breast implants, and that we all need to take personal responsibility for restoring our health by addressing all of the root causes that contribute to chronic illness. It is Sarah's belief that the body has an innate desire to heal if given what it needs. Well, I heard that, and she focuses on teaching women how to unlock that innate intelligence and heal themselves. So what's cool about this is Sarah still has that FDN view and the true functional medicine view, which is, all right, we're not just treating one thing. We're not really treating anything at all, right? Most of us aren't, at least. It's not, oh, just remove the breast implants and everything, sunshine and rainbows. No, she recognizes that for some women, this can be a major factor impacting their health, but they still need to do all the other things, and the explant could be something that definitely benefits them. So you're going to learn a ton in this episode. This is one where you might want to bring a notebook out. Not that you really couldn't do that for all of them, but seriously, she was throwing down some serious facts on here, things that I didn't know. There are chemicals in these breast implants that you just sit there. It's one of those things like when you look at the ingredients in some kids' foods, you're just like, how in the world is this necessary in this type of product? So I don't want to spoil anything. You're just going to have to listen to this. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for being here with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Evan. Evan, it's such a pleasure to just be here sharing with, with your audience. 
Absolutely. Well, I am always excited to talk to FDNs in general, but I'm especially excited when they have a niche or specialty that is something that either I know very little about or literally nothing about. And that is certainly the case today. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to be talking at one point or another about kind of breast plant illness, uh, breast implant illness, excuse me. Mm-hmm. That's something that I know has caused issues for people. I've heard of actually miracles with people getting the implants like removed or something. And then all of a sudden, a lot of things are getting better. Um, almost similar to like root canals, side topic, but I've mm-hmm. heard of people, you know, getting those removed and bam, a few days later, they're feeling amazing. Um, not the case for everyone, but it does exist and it does happen. And I have plenty to learn about both of those topics. So Let's start off just like we do with most of these podcasts, and I'd love to get into your background in terms of your health history, because what I have found, and as all of our listeners know at this point, it is a rare day that a functional health practitioner does not have some type of personal health story, uh, whether it's for themselves or someone that they loved. So to the degree that you're comfortable, let's talk about maybe some of the health issues that you experienced in the past and when they started. Absolutely. I am always saying that really, you know, this has been a pain to purpose journey for me. Um, you know, I didn't get into the work that I do by accident. Um, and I always think that there's far greater purpose to the struggles that we go through. And for me, um, I really think that it taught me a lot about, you know, who I am and um, what my purpose is and how I should be living. Um, so I would say, um, just to kind of frame things up here, give you a little backstory, is that um, when, before I developed any health issues, I was working as a nurse in a busy teaching hospital. Um, I was working night shift. You know, I had been on night shift for probably about five years, and we all know how um, stressful shift work is on the body. Um, and, you know, I had become really, really, really into fitness so much so that I had hired a bikini fitness competitor coach, um, to help me get into the best shape of my life. And I was probably around 29 at the time. And, um, you know, really wasn't about health at that point for me. It was just about a physical appearance and wanting to achieve a certain look and, um, you know, feel like, you know, going into my thirties that, you know, I felt good about myself. And I would say that my desire for breast implants went far back to when I was a child, actually. Um, there was someone really important in my life who told me when I was very young that, um, I was going to be four foot 11, just like her, but not to worry because I'd get the Johnson boobs and <laughs> fast forward. I never got the Johnson boobs and that really helped frame, you know, my, a lot of meaning for me as a young girl about what it meant to be a woman and what it meant to be and feel sexy and all of that. So, you know, what children are such sponges, right? They're just absorbing and making meaning out of everything they experience. And I think that kind of drove me down this path of, you know, um, feeling less than and a lack of self-worth and just not feeling comfortable in my skin and feeling like I needed to have large breasts in order to be a real woman or in order to feel sexy or desirable. And so that, I think that, you know, desire that I'd had growing up leading into my adult life and then the combination of that with, you know, being really into fitness and seeing all these fitness competitors with fake boobs, you know, on stages. And, you know, the two things just led me to that decision of having breast implants placed. 
And I would say before all of that, I really didn't have a symptom to speak of in the world. Um, that doesn't mean I was healthy because I had a very poor diet. You know, my bodybuilding diet was not the greatest. You know, I was having whey protein shakes with all kinds of sugar in them and, you know, skinny cow ice cream sandwiches post-workout and <laughs> still working night shift and, you know, just beating myself up at the gym. Um, so I think that there was a series of stressors, you know, that kind of set the stage for the eventual fall for me and breast implants were just that tipping point. Um, and you know, I would say within about six months of having breast implants placed, I started developing all kinds of really vague symptoms, um, that I really couldn't explain. Um, so I ended up experiencing, you know, chronic fatigue, brain fog, um, difficulty learning new information. I would have to read something about 15 times to really have it sink in and understand what it was that I was reading. Um, poor word retrieval, trouble concentrating on things, um, joint pain, hair loss, um, weight gain that was kind of sudden and really quick, um, uh, temperature intolerance. So I, I really couldn't tolerate cold temperature. I was freezing. I would have to like sleep in bed with a hot pack at night. Um, I had insomnia. I had um, night sweats. And I ended up developing this really strange symptom of um, being mentally aware of every single breath that I took from the moment that I woke up till the moment I went to sleep. Um, and there was no break from it. And so that alone was just absolutely maddening. Um, it's just not something we're supposed to be aware of, right? It's a part of our autonomic nervous system. And um, heart palpitations and shortness of breath and anxiety and chest tightness and um, different skin issues, perioral dermatitis and cystic acne and um, swollen lymph nodes and um, just muscle twitching, frequent urination, painful periods. Um, really abnormal bleeding with my periods, gas and bloating and, and constipation and diarrhea and food intolerances. And the list just goes on and on and on. So it didn't all just start overnight. It was just kind of this slow, you know, progression over time. And when I first started experiencing my first few, you know, four, five, six symptoms, I, I knew it wasn't normal. And so I you know, went to the doctor, had some lab, labs drawn. They told me everything was quote unquote normal. And that maybe I should, you know, seek therapy, <laughs> um, thinking that maybe it was just in my head, right? Yeah, because um, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I ended up finding a naturopathic doctor and that was my first exposure to more of more natural medicine. And I just emailed her and I said, you know, look, I, I don't want to come waste my time with you. Um, I know I have a problem here and my lab work isn't outside of normal, but it's not optimal. And I have these, you know, thyroid antibodies that are elevated. Will you treat me? And she said, yes, I clearly see you have a problem and I will absolutely treat you. So I went and saw her and it was this band-aid approach, you know, it was like conventional medicine, but in a supplement form. So rather than a bunch of medications, it was just a lot of supplements, never really looking for the root cause. And, um, so, you know, that took me down the path of just wanting to know, I wanted more answers. I wasn't happy with where I was at or with what I, what I was given, you know, with that approach either. So I ended up just doing lots of my own digging and research and actually found um, FDN through a podcast 
Um, and I try to remember which podcast it was at the time. I, and, and now I can't remember, but I remember just listening to this person speak about FDN and the principles of FDN and looking for underlying causes of dysfunction and, you know, addressing the person as a whole person, you know, and, and working at that level. And that really resonated with me. Um, and so I ended up looking into it and just deciding, you know what, if I'm going to, do this approach, I might as well become a practitioner because if I'm going through this, there has, there has to be other people like me and maybe I can help other people too, you know? And that was just like that, you know, nurse in me just wanting to serve others and help other people. So I did, I went through the program and, um, became an FDN and, and, and how much more do you want me to share? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there's, a, I mean, like a hundred great things that you already hit on that I'd like to at least, you know, address to some degree. Um, and one is the fact that you're doing this bodybuilding thing, which at one point in my life at around probably 17, 18 years old, I became very interested in. And in the back of my head, of course, let's be honest about it. Most people are getting into bodybuilding probably more so for the aesthetics of it than the health reasons, but it was always in the back of my head that, hey, this is a great thing to do for my health too, because these people look great. They mm -hmm. must be healthy, right? <laughs> and mm -hmm. what we have learned as functional health practitioners is that how you look on the outside does not always equate, in fact, it rarely does, to how you look on the inside. There are, it's, it's really interesting, but if you look at like um, centenarians, especially from maybe still indigenous tribes or cultures that aren't nearly as modernized, they're not some jacked people that are, you know, human right. and ripped. They actually usually have a small little belly. They're pretty skinny. They're pretty lean. And um, they're mm -hmm. strong for their size maybe, but they are not the uh, epitome of aesthetic. That, that's just not what they are. Um, now, of course, yes, we want to be healthy. And yes, there is probably a certain look to the healthy thing, but it's not really what's been promoted in modern society, in my opinion. Um, so mm -hmm. I love how you kind of talked about that because it's a lesson I like to drive home for people. And more and more, I'm not sure if you see this in your practice at all, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. But I find that so many people that are attracted to the functional world actually have this like huge fitness background. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that's just because they learn so much about the body or whatever, but I feel like I see burnt out bodybuilders and power lifters and stuff coming to us all the time. Do you, do you find that to be the case in your practice? You know, it, I think that, um, it's a really, really common issue, um, with, with female bodybuilders is to have breast implants. So yeah, I do see a lot of that. Okay. A lot Got of it. clients like that. Sure. Yeah. And one of the things I, I really wanted to go back to about what you said in the beginning, because to me, this is important because I want other people out there who are maybe listening to this, because this is a podcast, yes, for health coaches. I'm sure that they can learn something or two, but it is really for the consumer. It's for the person that's out there still on their health journey, and maybe they have another passion or another career, and they're just trying to get better. They're doing their own information, uh, own research and learning their own information, that type of thing. You made this transition to going to the naturopath. I am mm -hmm. so curious about how people go from the mainstream paradigm that is like drilled in most of our heads from day one that, you know, that stuff's for hippies or that's bad or that's not good to doing something like that. Did you have an external influence in your life or was this just something truly you're like, eh, I'll give that a try because this normal thing isn't working. Like what makes you go to that naturopath? 
It's hard to think back to that that long ago, but I think, you know, for me, just not getting any help or support or answers from the conventional medical doctor that I saw initially just made me like I wasn't willing to just settle for that, you know, for that answer. And so I just was really driven to figure it out. And so I think it just was, um, you know, a series of just researching and just doing more searching, scouring the internet, trying to find like what other options are out there other than what I have access to currently. And that answer to me, believe it or not, is actually perfect because when I'm talking to people and when people are listening to this, I want them to understand a couple things. One answer I hear really often is people almost get this gut feeling or intuition that this just doesn't make sense. They don't believe Mm -hmm. that they're supposed to be sick. So I say, hey, trust your gut because look at how well it worked out for people like myself or others on this podcast. And then I love what you just said. You're not going to settle for that. No, I'm not just going to – because you're a young woman at the time. I'm not going to settle for just you know getting these diseases and all these symptoms and that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I feel a little bit better maybe taking some medications, but overall I'm not great and surely I'm going to keep declining in one way or another. This is just a Band-Aid. So it is just cool when people are willing to go away from that beaten path. It's a tough thing to do. You know, sometimes we can get some looks from friends or family, but you know, it's really cool when we get on the other side and we see that these things worked. And mm-hmm. this is the problem because this is not universal by any means with naturopaths, but it's happening a lot in the natural health space where, I mean, you said it brilliantly. It was just allopathic medicine, except with supplements now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of the medications, it's the supplements, which... Um, Surely, yeah. if you could take some GABA and theanine versus Xanax and it works just as well for you, you know, bravo, that's great. Yeah. But why do you have the anxiety? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did exactly. Sarah have all these symptoms? Um, so you get to FDN eventually and you're going through the course. If you remember like any like major things, I'd love to hear them. Like what were some of the things that stuck out either in the course load itself um, or the lab work that you got done? Because for those that don't know, anyone that goes through the FDN course, uh, we do run certain labs and we're encouraged to run uh, even more on ourselves as practitioners before we're working with people. So what were some of the things that you found that were maybe like, wow, I never even thought about this or this is totally surprising to me? Yeah. I mean, I was a little researcher at the time, so I had done quite a bit of research on my own. I had tried various different, you know, programs out there to try to fix my body and just didn't quite get where I was looking to go. They were like just dead ends, basically. Um, and so the the thing that I loved about FDN before I even decided to go through that program was just the more comprehensive approach, right? It's just not, it's not tunnel vision focusing on one thing. Um, it is really looking at the person from a, you know, a holistic perspective and really focusing on all of the different parts of diet and lifestyle and stressors that impact function. And so it really just made sense to me. Um, and, you know, I had some some gut instinct, as you referred to, a gut instinct and intuition about breast implants early on. Um, but I ignored it um, because there just wasn't any information out there at the time. There were no, you know, Facebook groups or blog blog posts or websites or there wasn't just wasn't anyone talking about it. And so I couldn't go off of that hunch. And when I became a part of the FDN program and was going through it myself, my mentor at the time, I revealed to him that I had breast implants and did he think, you know, that that could be a part of my picture? And he said, you know, I don't know, but 
they are a foreign body. And if it were me, I would get them out right away because <laughs> they could be the thing holding you up in your healing journey. And, you know, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I, I really think that I should get these out. But even still, I just ignored that. Um, and so, you know, I think that if I had made that decision much earlier on, I probably would have had a, a different, uh, maybe a different outcome, maybe a, a faster healing experience. Um, but I think, you know, I learned so much going through what I went through that I wouldn't change anything. You know, I think that um, some of the most revealing things on lab work that I experienced were or that I learned about myself were just like completely tanked hormones um, you know, the way that we looked at the adrenals back then, um, you know, it was looking like stage three adrenal fatigue, you know, it was just cortisol was very, very low. Um, and I felt it, you know, I felt terrible. I had no sex drive. My menstrual, my PMS was just a miserable experience. And, um, yeah, it, it reflected on the lab work. It, 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 it spoke to me, it explained the symptoms that I was, that I was feeling that I was experiencing, but I still hadn't gotten to the why because I hadn't gotten far enough upstream to the breast implants, right? So I had discovered, you know, low hormones and low adrenal output and SIBO and, you know, um, we did some chronic or we did some testing for chronic Lyme that looked equivocal. So that was a possible part of the puzzle. Um, but, but what was upstream from that? You know, it, we have to think about something like breast implants as kind of a lot further upstream than all the other things that I was dealing with. So that's where I think it's really important to, to consider a really thorough history about, about the person that you're working with or about yourself, if you're an individual listening to this. Um, and, you know, I had those pieces, right? I mean, my mentor did mention that to me, um, about the breast implants, but we all, we have to take personal responsibility. Right. And I chose to, at the time, not do something to not do something about that, you know, to just see, like, if I do all this other stuff, can I get well without really addressing the the thing that was the furthest upstream? Sure. So we, we keep kind of going over this and just to be clear, before we really dive into it, you did a lot of the other work that is promoted by FDN and you still found that like, Hey, maybe this worked like a little bit, but it wasn't mm -hmm. getting to the core of the problems because of the breast implants. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I had gotten about maybe 50% better, but coming from a place of no symptoms to speak of, like that just wasn't enough for me. I was not going to be happy with that. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. So Number one, I guess, because I'd love to just dive into this topic for pretty much um, the, the rest of the time that we're on this, because again, it's new to me. I think this is so important for people out there. And I loved, I mean, from the first two minutes, you know, your transparency of like, hey, I got this because there's almost like this, um, you didn't use these exact words, but like kind of this societal expectation or notion that, yeah. oh yeah, you're not sexy or not good enough if um, you don't have this. And I don't know, I feel like my brain has always worked odd. I feel like and not in a bad way. It's just very left brained. And I just, I can never imagine um, looking at a man or a woman and thinking differently or badly about them for something that they can't control. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like uh, your shoulder bone's not big enough. Like to me, it's that silly, you know, but yes, this, this does exist. And there absolutely is this unspoken um, societal bias for men and women for different things. You know, um, men yeah. got to have big arms, women got to have big breasts. Like it's just, it's, 
kind of crazy um, because it's mm-hmm. so present that it stresses people out enough to do things like this. So um, obviously you go and do this. How quickly after those implants, looking back now and being able to connect these dots, did those symptoms start occurring, would you say? I would say within, for me, it was in the first six months. Wow. Um, But that's not the case for everyone. You know, I've spoken with women who it's immediate. And then I've spoken with women on the far end of the spectrum, on the other side of the spectrum, where it's like two decades later. Okay. Got it. So I'm sure even myself, um, really, I, I can like make assumptions, but I don't actually have these answers myself. So I assume many in the audience would have even less of an answer here. What is it about breast implants that can even cause distress on the body? Because to me, I'm like, okay, like, you know, if seriously, if I'm the average person, I'm like, all right, I make an incision. I I put these things in that I have no idea what they're even made of. You know, I have no idea Mm -hmm. what a breast implant um, entails. And hey, that's that. Like, why is this something that could potentially make people sick? And what's in them um, that really causes an issue? Sure. I'm happy to talk about that. So um, first of all, I want to say that anytime that you put a foreign material or foreign object into your body, there's a potential for problems to arise. And, you know, breast implants are no exception to that. Um, And issues can develop from both silicone and saline breast implants. That's important to to note as well. So it can either be, you know, due to the chemicals and heavy metals that that are within the implants and their shells. It can be due to bacterial or fungal growth or biofilm associated with those implants, or their also their ability to impair the immune system, um, disrupt the endocrine system, and, you know, clog up the detoxification pathways. So, um, you know, I, I like to talk about them on a couple of levels. So a physical stressor and a chemical stressor. So, you know, as a foreign object, they're a physical stressor that stimulates and tires the immune system. So they're just constantly activating the immune system, eventually resulting in immune dysregulation. And, you know, that's just a result of overstimulating the immune system over time. Um, And so when the immune system becomes either distracted by these implants, right, just over here fighting, you know, this foreign object that doesn't belong there or just muted over time, it just doesn't see other things that are going on as well. So it'll lead to this inability to fight off you know, various different pathogens. And that can end up resulting in overgrowth of opportunistic organisms, you know, like bacteria and and candida and viruses and parasites. Um, And they can end up growing unchecked, you know, by the immune system. And your body can end up allowing for reactivation of, you know, dormant pathogens like Epstein-Barr or, you know, those that cause Lyme disease and co-infections. And then we're there's also, you know, more susceptibility to autoimmune conditions as well because of the fact that there's this immune component going on. And um, secondly, talking about the way that they're a chemical stressor. So it's important to know that, you know, specifically silicone breast implants, even though they're, um, they've been touted as this new, improved you know, cohesive gel that is not the same as they used to be back in the 70s or 80s. Um, it's just not true. They're they're basically identical. 
um, the manufacturing process is identical. The chemicals in them are identical. Um, and they're full of cytotoxic, neurotoxic, and carcinogenic chemicals and heavy metals that are highly inflammatory to our cells and our tissues and our organs. So they're actually made up of 40 different toxic chemicals. And so this is things like methyl ethyl ketone and cyclohexone and acetone and xylene and phenol. You know, these are all neurotoxins. And then they contain things like dichloromethane and toluene and benzene, which are carcinogens. Um, and then you have things like talcum powder and formaldehyde and lacquer thinner and printing ink and metal cleaning acid. You know, what, what are these things doing in breast implants? Um, <laughs> that's, that's what you took the <laughs> words out of my mind. Cause I was just thinking like, and I've had this experience before, especially with like processed foods. I'm like, for what reason is that in there? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh my goodness, sorry to cut you off, but you're absolutely, that's exactly what I was thinking is for what reason is printing ink or something like that right, um, right. in this. <laughs> yeah. And then in addition to that, you have heavy metals, you know, like aluminum, tin, lead, platinum, and that's in addition to the silicone, you know, silicone is also very toxic and, um, you know, it has the ability to chelate neurotransmitters in the brain. And, you know, it's not just the implants, though. Like, just to think about this cumulative effect, right, with silicone and anything else, too. But um, we have so much silicone exposure in the environment today, in our personal care products, you know, in our cooking products, things like that. So, you know, now instead of plastic, companies are using silicone um, because it's supposedly it's safer than plastic, right? Um but it's not, you know, and all of the silicone really builds in the tissues. Um, and, you know, I would say that silicone breast implants are likened to basically like a chemical soup, right? And um, what we have been able to, well, what studies have been able to show, um, even just, you know, short-term animal studies, is that even these newer um, silicone uh a gel implants that are supposed to be cohesive upon body, upon uh, raising the temperature to body temperature, they start to bleed. They start to slowly bleed their contents into the, into the surrounding tissue, which makes its way into the lymphatic system. And the lymph is like the highway, right? It travels throughout the entire body. And so it's just this chronic source, source of low grade, toxic exposures that is living inside of us. So it's not even something that you can escape unless you remove them. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of like plastic. You wouldn't heat up plastic, right? <laughs> well, we, we know better now. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's say, same. let's not speak <laughs> <Yeah>. so fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's the same thing with silicone. It shouldn't be heated. And it's never, it's never really been tested in long-term studies inside a human body. So that is a huge downfall, right? Um, so that, that's, that's where it becomes really problematic is just the leaching and the bleeding of the silicone gel. Um, and then you have um, saline implants and they're not without their um, problems either. You know, most people think, oh, it's just salt water, right? I mean, that's pretty safe. Um, but I would say, you know, the things you have to think about is that the saline implants also have a silicone shell. And so they're still going to slough off and silicone is still going to make its way into the body. Um, and then they also have this valve that's used to 
to fill the implant once it's in the body. Um, and that valve can either be dysfunctional upon implantation or it can become um, dysfunctional over time just with user wear. So as that valve becomes dysfunctional, what happens is it's only supposed to flow one direction. And when it becomes dysfunctional, it can start to flow both ways. And it allows for bodily fluids and you know, microbes to enter into the implant and for whatever's in the, in the implant to come out and enter our body. So you can have you know, different pathogens, you can have viruses, you can have bacteria, you can have mold even surrounding these implants. You can have, you know, with the, with the saline, it can even enter the implant and the implant is saline. So it acts as a Petri dish. So it can fuel the growth of these microbes. And then you have, you have to consider also the um, toxins that microbes release, you know, and so that's just increasing the toxic load that your body has to deal with. And what they're finding on explantation of, you know, just doing lots of explant surgeries, they're finding that when they do um, culture, the fluid between the implant and the capsule, they're finding like a dozen different bacteria growing in that medium. Um, and that has just got to be such a burden on the immune system. In addition to the biofilm that's there, right? The immune system can't even see those organisms because there's so much biofilm around them protecting them. For those that don't know, can I just ask for a moment? Because sometimes, you know, especially with the consumers, they might not know some of our more insider terms. What is a biofilm for those out there listening? So biofilm is um, just this basically a surface that bacteria and fungi and different organisms create to it's kind of this slimy buildup, right, that protects them. They hide behind it so that they can survive the immune system. So, and there's, there, they can communicate with each other behind this biofilm and, you know, antibiotics can't really get to it very easily because they're just protected by this layer. It's like a shield. Okay. Yeah. That makes bacteria even more fun than they already were. Right. So, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. this is crazy. I love people who know their stuff. And I mean, you just rattled off probably almost 25 or 30 things and ways that these breast implants can be problematic. Um, I never would have even thought about this. And while you were talking, I had to just do a quick Google search and I didn't like read anything in depth, obviously, because I want to be a part of that conversation. But sure enough, you type in studies on breast implants and autoimmunity and what comes up in the largest study of long-term safety outcomes for patients and breast implants, researchers at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center have found that silicone implants are associated with some rare diseases, autoimmune disorders, and other conditions as well. I mean, mm -hmm. this is crazy. You know, and yeah. it is all because, literally, all because of this societal notion that, oh, if you don't have a certain size breast, that's a problem. Um, I'm a 25-year-old mm -hmm. male. For those out there listening, I promise to God, I would never, ever, ever want a woman um, doing that, especially one mm -hmm. that I cared about, and risking all those things. Um, so I would hope that no one ever um, feels the need to do that. But clearly, this happens all the time. And Sarah, I almost want to go off for a second to kind of the bigger picture conversation here. You know, it's wonderful to get into all the technical things, but you, I mean, obviously ended up getting these removed, correct? Mm-hmm. And I, I saw the term when we were reading your bio. I've never heard that before. It's called an explant. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. What, how do we, 
I guess I should board it this way. For women out there listening that have either considered um, doing a, a you know, procedure like this or, hey, they're already in it and right now they actively have implants, where or what is some of the mindset work that you had to do or some of the stuff that you learned that you would like to share with others so that they don't need the to feel the need to have these things anymore, to feel validated or like they're enough? Because I think that's probably a big part of this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I mean, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I feel like that is a huge part of this stuff. Yeah, it definitely is. And it can be, um, I think it can be a really beautiful journey, to be honest. Um, and I think it really was for me. I tell you, I am not the same person I was 10 years ago. Um, far from it. And I put so much emphasis on my, like who I was and my worth and my value on my out, outward appearance. And I just didn't really know who I was at the time outside of that. And I think going through this struggle, um, with my health and really sorting it out and, and, you know, trying to navigate through this path, if you will, I, it's become a a self-discovery process. You know, I've really kind of discovered who I am and where my worth comes from, what, what, you know, involves, you know, what's involved in, in, um, in self-worth. And, um, you know, it's just, I would say for me, it was such a long road because I was so attached to that identity with them in, right. With, with having those breasts placed and it really went down, it was deep rooted, right. It went all the way back to childhood. And so I think it really took like, um, processing all of that and understanding where it came from, like where this belief system came from that I had and acknowledging that and like really just understanding that. And then I was able to, um, kind of disassociate my, worth and who I am from my outward appearance and realize that, gosh, I am so much more than breasts, you Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) Um, and there was a lot of, I think, um, inner work, a lot of mindset work, um, that I went through just over a long span of time, over several years, even just different layers, different pieces, kind of coming together to really understanding who I am as a person. And so I wouldn't even say it's something that you know, I went through, um, you know, overnight, it was just with time, you know, going through this whole journey. Um, and what it eventually came down to for me, as far as making the decision to explant and being okay with that was when I, my husband and I were trying to get pregnant, we were trying to conceive a child and it had been a couple of years without any success. And, I just, you know, I I found myself more often than not just on the floor crying out to God, like for answers, you know, like, why is this happening to me, you know, and how do I fix it and just show me the answer, you know? And so for me, it was very spiritual and I just knew in my gut, I had to get the implants out. And I started thinking about the things um, that had gone wrong with my own body with the implants in place and how toxic they were and thinking about like, well, what if I did get pregnant? Let's say I got pregnant tomorrow, you know, and I was growing this baby inside of me. And, you know, what if these breast implants caused health issues for that baby? Or what if I breastfeed and I'm just passing these toxins along through this breast milk, you know, and I end up causing health issues and would I be able to live with that? You know, would I be able to forgive myself? And so that for me, was like, 
like the tipping point where I was able to say, you know what, like nothing is worth, um, having breast implants just to satisfy a a physical desire. You know what I mean? Like a, a desire that really isn't important in life. Um, and that was where I was able to finally make that decision to like, just get them out. And as, fun, as, as soon as I made the decision, I was able to get my X-Mat surgery scheduled and have it done like two months later, which took me six years to get there, wow. <laughs> you know, and it, 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 it was easier once it was no longer about me. Absolutely. And all of that was uh, beautifully stated. I'm really glad I asked that question because I felt like, you know, this is a, I mean, it usually is, but especially with this, this is a lot more than just biochemistry and the chemicals, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. that are harming us w- with this type of story, right? Like there, there's a whole mindset thing that goes on here. I know it's not a direct connection, but certainly it has to do with appearances and stuff. What many of the listeners know, a main part of my story and why I got into FDN was severe, severe cystic acne. One mm-hmm. of the, I mean, Honestly, one of the worst cases you've probably ever seen, certainly worse than the stuff you're seeing on the commercials for proactive or whatever. (laughs) And when I made some initial progress by getting into the natural side of things, you know, I got like 70% better in probably the first 30 days. It really got that better, uh, that much better that quick. But remember, my acne was so bad that even that improvement, Sarah, was still worse than probably 95% of people. (laughs) Now, I always had in my head that people treat me different because I have acne, people don't like me because I have acne, whatever. And in that month, all of these things started changing in my life. And you know what I sat and realized? Because I thought it was because my acne was getting better. I'm like, wait a second, your skin, and I didn't mean this in a bad way, it was just the truth, is still worse than most people. Why is this Mm -hmm. happening? I was changing. I was projecting more confidence because I knew I was progressing. So I had this energy and I am not saying it's easy, folks. If we have something, you know, that we really don't like about ourselves physically, that's something to work on. But we can change on a dime. We can change our energy and realize that we're a lot more as human beings. Um, I love that you brought in the spiritual side. Yeah, this is like a flesh suit, right? We're borrowing this thing. (laughs) This thing is going to disintegrate eventually. And that's that. Um, and Sarah and Evan are a lot more than, you know, breasts or acne, uh, certainly yeah. I would say. So when you got these things removed or explanted, as I learned a new word today, I love it. I always love learning stuff. Um, mm-hmm. How long did it take for you to kind of really start feeling better? Was that, a, you know, hey, a week later, I'm already seeing improvements or did it take a few months? Um, I would say um, there were some small changes initially, you know. I was, I was in a, I'll have to say I was in a not so bad place by the time I decided to to explant. I had some GI issues still. Um, and then I had some, you know, menstrual cycle issues and the fertility struggle, but that was pretty much it. I was pretty, I had gotten pretty far with just the principles of FDN, um, over a long period of time, of course. And I'm, I'm sure that would have been sped up dramatically if I had explanted sooner. But, um, when I explanted, what I noticed is, my, how I, just my general aura, you know, like how I came off to people was different. Like I noticed, um, well, even other people noticed, they would tell me, you just seem so much more light. Like you don't have just this heavy heaviness anymore. You don't have this like intensity to you anymore. You seem more calm and relaxed and at peace. And that's really how I felt. That's how my body felt. And for the longest time, I had been in this sympathetic overdrive where just like anything would rev me up. And I was very reactive and I was, I just couldn't handle a lot of stress. 
you know, in any form whatsoever. So that was one thing I did notice pretty quick. And then I would say, you know, my body went through a lot of shifts and, you know, I did a, I did a lot of work even after the explant surgery to get my health back to more of an optimal state. So I, I think it's really important to emphasize that healing is about more than just the explant. Mm-hmm. You know, there's work to be done. And so if we're really approaching healing from the more, the most optimal approach, I would say, you know, removing the source is like the the first step, right? And I should have done that first, but um, then the body, you know, if we really address the sources of the chronic inflammation and chronic stress, then the body can just, you know, it's like this, uh, it's just finally can start to function a little bit better again and start to stop maybe fighting, you know, so hard. And then, you know, the real work, um, the FDN work should begin at that point. I feel like, I mean, yeah, there's prep work that you can do before your explant. If you're someone who has to wait a while for your surgery, there's lots of things you can do to prep, to prep the body for that. But a lot of the work that I did before would have been so much more effective without that source in place. Um, so I still had a lot of work to do after my explant. That's the long version of my point there. Um, and so I had a lot of detox work to do a lot of gut healing work to do gut balancing work to do immune system. Like my immune system was just, you know, not seeing pathogens, you know? And so I had to kind of restore that function. So I would say it was about a year later where I started feeling quite good. Got it. And I totally appreciate when people talk about this type of stuff because I always want people to have realistic expectations coming into the functional world. This is not a quick fix pill. The difference is this does work and it actually addresses things at a root cause level. And when you get better, you really get better. That's what the amazing part is, you know, and then you don't have to live like this insanely strict lifestyle. You can kind of go back and forth um, between allowing certain stressors into your life because you're so good at monitoring it normally. So I want to talk about this. I think this is really always one of my favorite parts of the show and it is client successes because obviously your practice, it seems is centered around this whole breast implant illness thing. If there's something that comes to the top of your head to the ability that you're able to share um, the information of this client. I'd love to talk about a major success story that maybe you've had. You know, this person comes to you, uh, maybe they're new to the breast implant illness thing, or they haven't even thought about that yet. They work with you and bam, I mean, their life just changes around. Do you have anything like that that comes to your mind? Absolutely. So (laughs) lots of stories like that, but let me just, um, pinpoint one of them or share one of them. So um, I do have a particular client who actually has become a good friend. um, And um, I won't, she would be fine with me sharing anything, but I'll just, um, I won't share anything identifying. Um, So as far as her history, you know, she had um, prior to implants, she had a lot of different stressors, right? She had already been diagnosed with narcolepsy, been on some hardcore sleep drugs, had a history of migraines and heavy, painful, irregular periods since puberty. And then fast forward down the road, she got silicone breast implants placed. And then she got pregnant shortly after that. And then shortly after that, realized she was living in black mold, um, but still had no symptoms. So then moved into her parents' house, um, had 
uh, delivered her baby. And then um, during the delivery, got lots of IV antibiotics as well as postpartum and ended up having severe postpartum depression, just despair, anger outbursts, um, felt like the world was caving in on her, panic attacks, fatigue. Um, and of course, her baby was, you know, really colicky. So of course, that doesn't help when you're a brand new mom. Um, she ended up getting Dysport injections shortly after that. And then three days after Dysport injections, everything changed for her. So histamine intolerances, brain fog, constipation, couldn't carry on a conversation with you, couldn't tell you what time it was when looking at a clock, um, reacted to everything, couldn't care for her son anymore. Um, and then, you know, within a month, you know, she was just such a great little researcher. Within a month of that, she found me. And we started working together and she hadn't explanted yet, but we just started working to prepare her body for that procedure coming up. So we did a lot of work, um, you know, work addressing the gut, a lot of work just opening and supporting her drainage pathways. And she ended up feeling quite a bit better by the time she got to her explant surgery. Um, and then she explanted and she got a lot worse and we can't really predict, you know, why, you know, when this is going to happen, who it's going to happen to. Um, but she got the sickest she'd ever been after her surgery. And it could be, you know, that it was the really, you know, the significant stress of that surgery. It's a really aggressive surgery with, you know, anesthesia and antibiotics and all of that as well. So, you know, she ended up with severe systemic yeast, parasites, histamine intolerance was far worse than ever, constipation. So we had to go back to basics, right? We had to go back and work on the gut a lot more, like the gut was the priority. Um, and then moving into some, some detox work and making sure that we're removing enough of the stressors on her body you know, as much as possible with regards to diet and sleep and lifestyle and everything, all of those different things that we do, right? Um, and then over time, you know, as she just continued to do the work, I mean, she was a rock star client. I mean, she did everything I recommended to her without question. And she did it like with every ounce of her being. <laughs> Um, and she did, she, she got better and she was just so dedicated. She did the work and she got to the point where she felt like her, like better than she ever had before, better than she did before the implants or the dice sport or any of that. She was able to get off of all of her medications and finally sleep again. Um, where, you know, when she was diagnosed with narcolepsy, she was getting zero deep sleep, which is why she was on the drugs. Um, and finally being able to get off of that after being on it for a lifetime, you know, that's pretty amazing. Um, and then shortly after getting to a point where she felt quite well again, she got pregnant and um, had a beautiful, healthy baby. So <laughs> she just actually just gave birth like a week ago. Wow. <laughs> It is. I cannot tell you how often it's just so funny that we go through that whole story and then right at the end throw in the uh, pregnancy thing. So often when I'm talking about client success stories with other FDN practitioners on this podcast, it is like, yeah, we did all this other stuff. Oh, and then they finally got pregnant. <laughs> it was like because that's yeah. what the body does when it's not under chronic stress anymore. You know, it actually yeah. wants to uh, be able to give birth. That's kind of one of the major biological points of life, at least. This has been a really great. This time flew by. I have two more quick things for you. Um, one, most importantly, where can people find you? Uh, this is a really niche thing. Um, I again, I don't even hear about this often. 
I learned so much today. I'm going to go back through this and I'm going to have to whip out a notepad or something. Um, and so I appreciate you being here today. So if there's someone listening, that's like, all right, Sarah's the person for me. Where can they find you? Absolutely. They can find me at reversingbreastimplantillness.com. A bit of a mouthful. Um, there's also a private Facebook group that I have um, on, let's see here. It's the same name, Reversing Breast Implant Illness on Facebook. Um, they can find me on Instagram with the same name, Reversing Breast Implant Illness. Um, so those are the most common places. Perfect. And of course, folks, that'll be in the show notes as always. Although I love people that have easy to remember uh, website URLs. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. gonna, that one's going to stick in my head for sure, especially after today's topic. <laughs> All right, Sarah, my final question for you, and this is the signature question to finish out on the FDN Thrive podcast. Super simple. Don't worry. Um, But it's just cool to hear this from different types of practitioners, FDNs and non-FDNs alike. If Sarah was able to, let's say you had a magic wand and you could get everyone in this world to start doing one thing for their health, what is that one thing that you would get them to do? Hmm. Well, I'm, you know, my, my biggest thing for people is sleep. Um, I think that, you know, sleep is number one. It's more important than diet. It's more important than exercise. It's more important than any supplements because sleep is the only time where your body naturally goes into parasympathetic mode and deep sleep specifically is the time when people are, their bodies are doing the healing and the detox work. You know, and so if you're never getting deep sleep or if you're never getting good sleep that's un- uninterrupted, then you can't possibly heal. You know, you, you can't possibly recover from even just the day's stressors. So I think that, you know, sleep is absolutely crucial. So really focusing on the things that you can do to improve sleep, whether that is, you know, working on resetting the circadian rhythm and getting good light exposure in the mornings and using red light therapy in the evenings or, you know, wearing blue light blockers, you know, getting off your screens in the evenings, shutting off Wi-Fi at night, um, making sure your temperature in the room is optimal for sleep, um, making sure you have a comfortable, comfortable, non-toxic mattress. And if, if it needs to be elevated a bit, you know, for better sleep, then try that, you know, um, keeping keeping electronic devices out of the bedroom, um, not doing things that are too stimulating before bed, you know, whatever strategies work, but sleep is like absolutely, absolutely the number one thing in my book. Isn't it so much fun talking to these functional practitioners? We got all this stuff about breast implant illness. It would be so easy to become dogmatic and tunnel visions and just say, oh, I think the number one thing for women's health is that they need to not to have breast implants. And no, we go back to sleep. (laughs) It is so funny how many people just always stick to the basics for those questions. And that's not because they don't have advanced knowledge. Clearly, most of these people, if not all of them already do, but it shows that the fundamentals, if you can only do one or two things, are actually the most important aspects of healing and preventing illness. So wonderful, wonderful episode. Sarah, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing knowledge. Obviously, I think you guys can tell by my voice, breast implant illness is not something that has affected me and probably never will, right? Hopefully. But (laughs) it is something that's probably going on a lot more than we realize. I think there's so much ignorance around this issue, right? And people might not even know that this is affecting their health. And even if they suspected it, I can imagine this getting stigmatized and I hate things like that. I don't think we should have that in this world. So I love Sarah. She came on, she threw down, 
totally vulnerable. And because of that, I think she's going to help a ton of people out there. And of course, if you think that you need to address this issue, she's the woman you want to talk to. So don't forget to check out the show notes to see where you can find her. Well, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the FDN Thrive podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev. And if you want to learn more about us, you know where to find us, www.fdnthrive.com. And you can click the Get Started Here button. And if nothing else, if you'd be so kind as to go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and please leave the FDN Thrive Podcast a five-star review. If you leave some kind words, that's even better. I'd really appreciate that. And the real reason for that is, guys, because these reviews help push our podcast up in the ranks. There are so many people that don't know about these topics that we're discussing, and it could change or even possibly save their life. I think that is why seven years later, after getting into this, I probably have more passion for this than I ever have before. And it's because I'm constantly remembering in my mind that this one message, even if only one person ever were to listen, could change the course of not only one life, but all the lives they affect as well. So seriously, it's a simple act. It would really help us and it would help so many other people out there. We'd appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you again soon. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's fdnthrive.com.